Hello and welcome to Women in Pop. My name is Taylor Fox Smith. Today we have the wonderful Holly Rankin, who you will probably know better as Jack River. Not only is Holly releasing her debut album Sugar Mountain on June 22nd, but she's also becoming one of the most important voices in this country's music industry for gender equality, and especially after having launched the all-female music festival Electric Lady last year, we couldn't be luckier to have her joining us. Jack River, hello, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel very honoured to be a part of the first ever Women in Pop podcast. <laughs> I know, very multimodal we are here. And I suppose one way to kick it off would be to first of all say thank you so much for letting us come to see you play live at the, inaug- the inaugural, the notorious Oxford Art Factory here in Sydney. It was a live performance like none other and I was talking to Holly before we started the podcast here saying how it was the type of audience who not only knew all the lyrics but were just there for the ride with everybody else. I wanted to kind of start off by asking what's it like to take the live platform and perform for an audience that not only love you but are excited to see you up there. Yeah, it's really incredible, very surreal and it's one of those things that you can't prepare for until you're there. So I can think about it all I like, but nothing prepares me for being there with the audience. So yeah, in an age of like streaming and Instagram and Facebook, it's so, so like enlivening to play to the audience and yeah it's incredible. I suppose it really is just that key human element to the music performance and I kind of I suppose it's what draws us all to the medium is it's it's the type of place and space that can not only make us feel right in the moment but take us into moments outside of that one as well and I kind of want to segue now into one of the amazing covers you did on the night which was of She's So High one of these 90s rock songs that I suppose in hindsight is so gender conscious in its lyrics it's this guy who thinks this woman's way out of his league she's so high Cleopatra Joan of Arc who are these powerful political women who not only were powerful but conquered as well for you what's the significance of covering a song like that and I suppose even more broadly how do you think lyrics can be gender conscious uh, in today's techno savvy world Mm, great question um Well, yeah, that song, I wanted to pick a song to cover that was like at the heart of the album sonically and something that I would love to sing um, lyrically. So, yeah, like sonically and production wise, it's obviously got that amazing 90s, early 2000s feeling. But yeah, the lyrics for me are just so fun to sing and they are really a beautiful like whole depiction of a woman uh it's got like she's blood flesh and bone no tux or silicon blah blah blah. um which you know it is it's fun to sing like those really visceral lyrics and then getting to say like Aphrodite Joan of Arc Cleopatra it does when I'm singing it, it just feels strong and exciting and um just brings me into what I'm doing when I play that song and I think the crowd like obviously Love it too. And we as a band, I don't know, it's just a very like electric song. Yeah. And yeah, to answer the second part of your question, I think that lyrics are so important because, um, yeah, we like they're like mantras. Every song's like a, a kind of prayer, even though people don't realize you're kind of singing something over and over to yourself. As a woman, I will like, as me, <laughs> I don't really like, I would never write anything derogatory or like you know 
over-sexualized just because I'm not very likely going to be feeling that. Um, but I think it is kind of like I listen to every song and I listen to every lyric. So, uh, you know, as a woman, <laughs> you are too. Um, there's some songs that you're just like, why do they have to say that? And I really don't connect to that, but I love the melody and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I think like in this moment in the world, I hope that lyricists do just double check what they're writing and realize that it is a mantra for everybody out there, especially young women who need strong mantras. Yeah. And I suppose what a beautiful segue then into thinking about the songwriting process, the music creation process is kind of this balance or tiptoeing this fine line between the melody and what feels good and sounds good and rhythm and something that can be quite, to use your word, really visceral, like a physical musical experience. And then the more emotional and intellectual levels of the lyrics that um, we internalise and, and like a prayer, a mantra, something that becomes part of what we say to ourselves and, and in groups of people. Your new album, Sugar Mountain, is coming out in June, which must be just such an exciting moment for you. Could you speak to us about the sonic landscape that you think that album fits in and how you, how you towed that line when you were putting it together? Sure. Um, so the sonic landscape, um, it was built over a good three to five years. Like some of the songs are five to six years old. Oh, wow. So they started off as like thin demos uh, that had like the heart in them probably in the lyrics but over that time personally and professionally I was pushing through so much darkness and not getting anywhere that um, the drums got much louder and the guitars got thicker and the synths got clearer and everything over this really long amount of time kind of came together in a stronger way than I could have ever imagined so and I, over that time, also coming from like a rocky, psychedelic, like 70s loving background, like that's where I started. And then for some reason, I like got really into Taylor Swift and, and like we all did. yeah, like we all did from 1989. Um, album ever. <laughs> yeah. And Lord and um, just bands like ABBA who, you know, that it's driven by woman's voice and you listen to the production and it's so intricate and it's like as much rock as it is pop it's just mm -hmm. very well placed and stuff so um over that amount of time I, I think that like the rockiness and the heart of the album just got condensed into something big and bold but also like quite detailed and yeah. clear so that's um a bit tangenty but that's like the how the landscape evolved yeah, cool. um and I really found this appreciation for like the bands of my youth so when I was 12 and 13 and 14 like what music was I listening to and why did it invigorate me and like yeah. songs like Teenage Dirtbag and yeah. She's So High yeah. I realized how much I like loved them and how much they are all part of like the 25 or you know like 20 to 30 year olds really connect to those melodies and like Blink-182 even, this yeah. like real teenage dream kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Starts sonically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like to kind of give some background, I think like lyrically, lyrics happen really naturally for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always writing and always, I don't naturally doing that. Mm -hmm. But um, I lost my sister when I was 14 and over the creation of this album, which is kind of like my early 20s, 
I started to realise how much that's played into my music creation process mm -hmm. and I really found in the lyrics and like created a lot of strength and resilience, like little messages throughout the whole album. So mm -hmm. yeah, Sugar Mountain's like this ode to youth and the kind of power you can find in, in it and in dreaming of it and like pushing toward a better youth and stuff. But yeah. That's it. <laughs> what an amazing process to go through as an artist and then I suppose for us as well as listeners at Women in Pop and the broader listening community who we're speaking to today, what a great way to engage in those conversations about nostalgia and strength and moving forward. Like it's very much that process through time. We've also had the privilege of speaking to artists who say similar things about you, about this musical process being very much a full body experience of you going through the process of thinking about lyrics, playing the actual guitar, performing in front of audiences. In light of the Me Too movement and this enlightened and enlivened dialogue about what it means to have gender equality or gender consciousness in the music industry, how important is it for you as an artist to A, engage with that, and B, do you think part of engaging with that is being visual about it? Like how, how can we create that message for our audiences and listeners to see? Well, yeah, every artist and every person engages with that feeling in the world right now differently. And for me, um, yeah, I, tr I try and stay really aware and really informed about what's going on and try to offer my opinions on socials and stuff um, and offer my own like positive strength or whatever I can offer in that way I guess I well so I created Electric Lady in response to to that and I wanted to create something where there was action and change. Electric Lady is a, a band night and a concert series which um, features all female fronted acts and we're also kind of continually adding to a platform of interviews on our site so it's electriclady.world on mm -hmm. the internet and at electriclady.world on instagram and facebook's just yeah electriclady.world <laughs> uh, so you can find it there but um i yeah inspired by this feeling in the world put put that into like as my contribution because mm -hmm. i personally love speaking and writing about this feeling but um there's a lot of words in the world and I feel like I would be just hypocritical or something by not doing anything that actually like affects people affects their bank accounts affects mm -hmm. um their spot on a playlist like affects the amount of bookings they have each year so that's how I would like to continue to contribute to the conversation is through like physical things and um every band has a different way of doing it and um absolutely define myself as a feminist and yeah the way i want to do it is through action i think that's really important for um women and men to just get to work and do something physical as well as talking about it yeah, yeah and i suppose that plays into these ideas of representation and that representation being visible and tangible whether it be a festival lineup or who we have performing at the commonwealth games who do we have presenting awards at the arias who are receiving awards at the arias i suppose a lot of the time these ideas about gender equality do come down to numbers and there's a reason for that it's because they're disparate 
And that's where things like you're doing actionable, tangible, visible actions become so powerful, particularly for young women who I think are coming to this sense of consciousness really recently with what can be seen as like a vice like Instagram or Facebook. I think these places are starting conversations a lot earlier because they're so much more accessible and in a vernacular that we can read and understand. I suppose for young women, young men, young artists, what advice would you give them going into an industry that has historically been quite precarious in who makes it or who is received well? What, what, what kind of skills or tools for resilience would you give some of our listeners? Um, big question. <laughs> I could write a book for them. Um, but oh, I guess it's just... Like spend a bit of time, spend time, you know, weekly or daily or monthly, really understanding who you are and what you're trying to do. Um, define it for yourself and really get to know it. And just don't back down. Like just know what you want deep down and you are really honestly going to come up against so many challenges to that. Mm-hmm. But nobody else knows it like you do. So um that's like a very core thing to kind of wrap your head and heart around and yeah. get to know because like oh, there's a great like Bob Dylan um, quote and basically he talks about like there's something inside you that you know and mm-hmm. everybody else is going to mm-hmm. come at you and try and mess with you on that mm-hmm. but you've just got to keep it all inside and keep it a little secret that you know and yeah. just that um, sense of self is so important in especially the music industry, but any industry, whether it's like legal or business or like whatever, Mm -hmm. um, knowing what you want is so powerful because it will get you through at the end of the day. Nobody's going (laughs) to kind of crowd around you and drag you through, like especially in music, there's just so many other people wanting to get it. So if you're not going to just wake up and do the job, do get what you want, like you just won't get it and – it's really like a massive thing that I've learned that is now part of my mantra is like, yeah, people, you just can't really rely on people and this like fancy fun idea of mm-hmm. labels and managers and like media and all this stuff getting you somewhere because there is like a lot of kind of um, Disney around that idea and and when you start out, you think, oh, I'm going to get signed sick. Like, yeah. you're just not. And <laughs> if you get signed quickly, you probably have a shit deal. So, yeah, like, just you've got to be in it for the long run. Yeah. And know yourself. As an artist who is clearly going from stride to stride, I suppose our listeners need a bit of a tour guide of the album in terms of what, give us one song. If you were to give us a step-by-step through the song, what you hope we take out of it, what are we going to hear in it, maybe some musical prowess of your own. Um, We're going to play a little snippet of it after Jack River gives us a bit of an explanation, if that would be all right. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So Limo song is one of my favourites on the album and it was one of the quickest to come to life Mm -hmm. and it has just a lot of heart and the lyrics are quite simple but they paint a bigger picture um it's actually a co-write which is rare on this album I wrote most of it on my own but it's like 
set in the OC in my head. <laughs> this is like walking along the boardwalk in the OC and it's quite influenced by those soundtracks, which were a big part of my growing up and how I learn about so many bands. And I guess, so one of my main influences is Neil Young lyrically and I love how he, a lot of his lyrics are like, the kind of not talking about something in particular it's like this sense of this angle of observation that's really poetic and a bit vague and do you get what I mean like that mm-hmm. it's a weird angle on the subject it's mm-hmm. not the subject it's like not almost abstract in a way like a roundabout way of getting to clarity like in yeah, a sense but they just for some reason the lyrics grab you and you know what he's talking about mm-hmm. without like any good artist, but Neil especially, I just love his angle of observation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the chorus is like, can I run to you like you're running to me? Can I fall into you like you fall uh, like you fall into me? And it's just that, for me, it's this, like, slight moment when you're parting ways with something or someone and the, like, huge nostalgia world that you can, like, lean into and it's very heady and confusing and like abstract and OC. It's like looking back and remembering the OC, this like huge nostalgic teenage feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just like in the in the booklet in the album, the um, the artwork is like a rainbow paddle pop or fuzz duck. And oh God, I love yeah, that. I love. That. And when we were producing it, I was like, I just want it to sound like eating a rainbow paddle pop. <laughs> do you know apparently rainbow paddle pops are actually just caramel flavored yeah. did you know that yeah i did well, that's I did. a new fact but in like, my life they're rainbow flavored <laughs> and so yeah so it, like it was it's like the lyrics <laughs> you know that it's caramel but it's rainbow yes that's so true <laughs> so that's quite an abstract depiction of a song but like yeah paddle pop rainbow paddle pops the oc and Neil Young all mixed together into my dream of the song. (laughs) We're going to play a small snippet for the listeners just to get a bit of an idea of what a rainbow paddle pop sounds like. Jack River and then we're going to let you get back to being amazing. What is next? We've got the album coming 22nd of June, put it in our calendars. What can we expect later on in the year? Well in Jack Riverland I'll be pretty excited to um, play my national tour. Well after Splendour that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah like going back to what we first talked about playing live is honestly it's still really new to me like every time I play my songs I'm just like what am I doing where am I who am I um so that's like that will be incredible like playing the metro theater in Sydney is Uh just 
a huge dream. Um, yeah, and internationally, I am just excited to keep experimenting and trying to cross the music over there and um, find, you know, sibling acts to partner with and stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, like it'll just be, it's the album's taken so long that yeah. I don't know what the future holds really. Like I'm just excited to wake up on June 22nd into a new <laughs> universe, let it go. <laughs> And will you, how does an artist engage with the post-release world? Will you be just in an interview frenzy? Will you be getting inundated with messages? How do you plan to cope with a world post your album being in, in the auditory universe? Yeah, I don't know. I've never put out an album, put out the EP, but I get this really weird case of post-release depression. And I don't know, it's like a mum sometimes like because you've held on to it for so long that when I release a song I often like cry <laughs> I can imagine it's quite cathartic in a way yeah um I don't know so each single release now I have like a party with not too much alcohol because I'll cry but um I just surround myself with the people that have been there and like seen what I've put into it so when it comes out they're like you know, it's really held together in a nice space. Otherwise, you do get really overwhelmed because it's so odd, like, people even at my small level just all either really suddenly loving something you put out or, like, hating it or whatever, but that's just uncontrollable and weird. So I just stick to family and friends. <laughs> well, what an exciting time to not only be speaking to you but to be being you. And we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking the time this afternoon. The first Women in Pop podcast, it really only made sense to have someone like you who is not only so articulate but making music that is so accessible and enjoyable and meaningful to such a diverse array of audiences. Don't forget to all of our listeners, the album's coming out on June 22nd. I've kept saying it because there is psychological theory that says the more you hear it, the more you'll remember it. It'll be available on Spotify, Apple Music and iTunes. Please make sure you support her like we do because we know it will be worth your while. And don't forget issue four of Women in Pop will also be on sale on June 4 with Taylor Swift on the cover. We also have an exclusive interview with none other than Jack River herself, Astrid S, the winner of BBC Sound 2018, Sigrid, Dami Im. Plus we take a look at the career of 80s megastar Kim Wilde and review the new Kylie album. To find a retailer near you or to buy or subscribe online, go to womeninpop.com. And don't forget we're on all the social media channels too, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Women in Pop and I'm sure you will find us. Thank you so much, Jack River, for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honour. And we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks.